must do everything we can to address crime and to keep people safe and have them feel safe in our city. All we're being told is that for your own good, you will be policed, whether you feel safe or not. An injection of green for Toronto's blue and red. Details of what the mayor wants, the reaction, and what this means for people across the city. Good evening. Mayor John Tory says he's committed to increasing the safety of Toronto's streets. Tonight, he's putting the money where his mouth is. The city is planning a significant hike to its police budget by the millions, but there are suggestions the approach needs a rethink. We have comprehensive coverage of this story tonight, beginning with our Sean Lethong, who is at Toronto City Hall. Sean. Well, Michelle and Nathan, entering his third term, Mayor Tory is putting forward his ninth budget. He says he was given a mandate when he was elected to be tough on crime, to keep citizens safe, and to him, that means more money for the police. Investing in safety for Mayor John Tory means the largest increase to the police budget since taking office. One of our principal responsibilities is to keep our community safe and to keep Torontonians safe. Released today, the proposed 2023 police budget will have a $48.3 million increase over last year to a total of $1.1665 billion. Tory says that means more boots on the ground. This budget will ensure that 200 new uniformed officers will be on the streets this year, along with 90 new special constables. Of the 200 new officers, 162 will be priority response, 25 of whom will be working in the downtown core. Along with 90 new special constables, TPS will add 20 911 operators and 16 neighborhood community officers. There will also be $12 million for the new community crisis service with mental health professionals responding to non-urgent calls. Tory saying the increases are in line with what he campaigned on and it's what people tell him they want. Most of the people of the City of Toronto that I talked to, the vast majority, understand those are necessary and appropriate investments at this time to keep the city safe. In a statement on the police website, Chief Myron Demkew says this budget request reflects the critical need to hire more officers, 911 operators and special constables to increase operational capacity and in turn public safety. It also prioritizes modernizing our operations to enable the service to keep pace with the increasing demands of our growing city. While the proposed budget shows an increase, 2022 saw a 16% decrease in homicides over the previous year and an almost 30% decrease from 2018. When asked if he'll use his new strong mayor powers to pass this budget, Tory would not rule it out. I will tell you, I will be very firm in my position that we are not going to engage in, in defunding the police budget. The proposed budget will be presented to the Police Service Board next Monday. And this is part of the much larger city budget. Mayor John Tory saying that he will have increases for housing and transit, but we do know policing is the largest part of the city's budget. Reporting live, I'm Sean Lethon. Nathan Michel, I'll send it back to you. All right, thank you, Sean. Understandably, several communities are already reacting to the news of the budget increase. CTV's Allison Hurst is at TPS headquarters covering that angle for us. Allison. Nathan, reaction is certainly pouring in with members of the community and activists saying that this in budget increase could lead to more peril for minorities on Toronto city streets. Disappointment is how Regis Korczynski Paquette's parents describe learning about the nearly $50 million police budget increase. To, to hear this news today, it's very hurtful to our family. Especially when he hears it means 200 more officers on the street. More police is not the answer. Their daughter died in the presence of officers in May 2020 when she fell from a balcony at her High Park Avenue apartment. So far this year, it's been what? 
uh, five police officers that have been killed by a civilian. What about all the civilians that's been killed by police? An SIU investigation into her death found no grounds to charge the responding officers. The family says a beefed up budget is not the solution. They are doing nothing for our black communities. They are doing nothing for any of these families. But yet they are giving money out to the police force. For what reason? This budget increase comes after the Toronto Police Service released its own internal report in June, highlighting police were more likely to use force against black people even when they were not perceived to be in possession of any weapons. What work have the Toronto Police done since that announcement last summer? They have hired a new police chief who was part of a raid on the Pussy Palace, which he refuses to take accountability for, and they've increased their budget. No one's pretending that this is even a change moment. Mayor John Tory defends the increase, saying Torontonians are becoming extremely anxious about the violence in the city in recent weeks and months. The fact is, if we need more police officers out on the streets to help keep the city safe and to help do the kind of neighbourhood earning back of trust, let alone law enforcement, um, is an issue that must be accompanied in the case of all of the other officers, including the thousands that already work there, with every measure we possibly can implement to, uh, to gain back that trust and to avoid over-policing. Toronto Police say in the coming year, an action plan on that internal report will be presented. And one of Toronto City Councillors is calling out the mayor. Josh Matlow released a statement late today saying that the budget increase is neither a fact-based or effective approach to preventing crime. Reporting live, I'm Allison Hurst. Nathan, back to you. All right. Thank you, Allison. Stranded passengers, days-long baggage delays, and an app glitch that made the problem even worse. CTV News investigates the ongoing Sunwing holiday season fiasco. That's coming up. But first, a live look at the city tonight from our docks camera. Another drizzly gray day for commuters, but a pretty mild start to the new year overall. Lindsay Morrison is here with a look at the current conditions. Lindsay, 2023, not too chilly so far. No, not at all, Michelle. In fact, we are yet to see the temperature fall below the freezing mark so far this year. I know it's early days, but it's mild enough for rain. That's what we've had today. On and off showers expected through the night tonight and into the day tomorrow. We still have a rainfall warning in effect. It includes the Niagara area. Meanwhile, a fog advisory is now in effect for extreme southwestern Ontario. No advisory for us here in Toronto, but you can expect foggy weather as well. Winds are coming out of the northeast. They're light, but the direction of that wind really not cooling us down. We are mild three degrees is where we are right now, and we're expecting to hold there through the night tonight. Another mild day on tap for tomorrow. We'll have those details coming up. For now, though, Michelle, back to you. Thanks, Lindsay. Professional athletes are often seen as superhuman for their incredible talent. However, during Monday night's NFL game, a tragic incident was a reminder of the danger of sports. Teammates and fans alike continue to pray for a member of the Buffalo Bills who remains in hospital tonight after suffering a cardiac arrest on the field. CTV's Raheem Ladani joins us in studio with the latest on his condition. Raheem. Well, Nathan and Michelle, we know that 24-year-old DeMar, uh, DeMar Hamlin is still sedated as doctors continue to run tests. It was just nine minutes into the football game when he took a hard hit, and no one could have predicted the shock that would follow. A Buffalo Bills flag, homemade sign, and candles make up a small tribute across the street from the University of Cincinnati Medical Center as football fans continue to come by. He's a strong man, so he's doing his job. You know, we just got to do our job and pray for him. 
This is where Bill's safety, DeMar Hamlin, remains in critical condition, according to his family, after spending the night in the intensive care unit. He's fighting. He's a fighter. The family's in good spirits. We're honestly just taking it minute by minute, hour by hour. He got up, took a couple of steps, and then just fell to the ground. Hamlin appeared to make a routine tackle during Monday's football game, but seconds later, the 24-year-old collapsed. Paramedics provided treatment on the field for about 20 minutes, where they performed CPR and restored his heartbeat before he was taken away by ambulance. Medical experts of the opinion he may have suffered commotio cordis. It is an arrhythmia that is caused by a blow directly over the heart at exactly the right moment in time. This would not be the first time an athlete has suffered commotio cordis while playing. In 1998, NHL star Chris Pronger collapsed on the ice after taking a slap shot to the chest and experienced cardiac arrest. There has been research done on this with various types of chest pads in experimental models, and unfortunately none of them have been really found to help. After Hamlin's injury, players on both teams were visibly distraught, many shedding tears in disbelief. Those in attendance saying it was a harrowing experience. It was combination of hysteria and panic and urgency. Social media video shows Hamlin before the game giving his mother a hug on the sidelines. His character also on display in May of last year when he paid his respects at the site of a mass shooting at a Buffalo supermarket. And this past Christmas he started a toy drive for community children. Since the tragedy, donations have surged to more than $4.6 million. In a Canadian show of support for Hamlin, Niagara Falls will be lit in blue at 9 p.m. Now, as for the game, which was postponed, the NFL says it will not be played at all this week, and there's still no decision on potentially resuming it at a later date. Reporting live, I'm Rahim Ladani. Michelle, I'll send it back to you. Thank you, Rahim. The province's fire marshal says last week's tragedy that killed four people in Hamilton, including two children, was preventable. I can now confirm there were no working smoke alarms in the residence. The area of origin was determined to be an upholstered sofa within the living room on the ground floor. All of the occupants were on the second floor at the time of the fire. And due to the location of the fire and the configuration of the residence, the fire blocked their ability to descend through the stairwell. The fire broke out in a Hamilton townhouse late Thursday. Six people were inside at the time. A 40-year-old man and 30-year-old woman survived the blaze. Police have yet to confirm the victims' identities. Now to a CTV News investigation in the ongoing woes involving some Sunwing holiday travelers. The company says it has completed dozens of rescue missions after a meltdown that left people stranded in tropical destinations. Sunwing has blamed weather and crew shortages for some of the problems, but passengers have pointed to mysterious notifications that indicate something else may have been going on. CTV's John Woodward joins us now at Pearson Airport. John. Nathan, our investigation shows more Sunwing passengers may have been stranded for longer thanks to a digital communications breakdown that left empty seats on some of those rescue flights. There were plenty of empty seats on some Sunwing flights bringing stranded passengers back to Canada, which struck Catherine Kennedy as strange. Every single person on our flight had a row to themselves. 
um, we ended up taking off and the pilot actually apologizing. He had never seen anything like that. On the way to fly out of Cancun just before Christmas, her bus passed by some resorts without picking anyone up. Even in the midst of travel chaos that had Sunwing passengers waiting in hotel lobbies and sleeping on airport floors, desperate to get on a plane. We just kept hearing horror story after horror story. One of those left behind, Gary Forrester. His Christmas Eve flight was cancelled. His fellow travelers waited in their hotels for emails from Sunwing. When they came on Boxing Day, he couldn't believe them. One email came in at 3.51 a.m., even though the flight was supposed to depart at 2.36, an hour and 15 minutes earlier. Another email came in at 5.35 a.m., even though the flight was supposed to depart at 3.20, two hours and 15 minutes earlier. I mean, it, it was one of those things where you're kind of in disbelief. You know, I, I've missed Christmas. Now I'm trapped. I don't know when I'm getting out. And they keep feeding me all this false information. A sign one computer expert says that as Sunwing's flights were being cancelled, then caught up in a massive continent-wide storm, its computer systems may have been experiencing errors too. If I were to receive a notification that is a few hours off from what I was expecting, I would immediately assume that a system picked up the time from a different network time server. We asked Sunwing about why these notifications were wrong and how often it happened and didn't get an answer. The company has tweeted it commissioned 43 recovery flights, saying Tuesday, all scheduled recovery flights are now complete. We sincerely thank our customers for their patience and understanding as our teams worked tirelessly to restore regular operations. Airlines don't have to give compensation if a flight was canceled because of weather. Proving that the true cause is something else is up to the passenger. The burden of proof lies with the passengers, which is ridiculous. So make the burden of proof lie with the airlines and make them dig through their files and come up with evidence as to why it's something outside their control. Until that happens, some people may face an uphill battle to get refunds even if they have a digital trail. Meanwhile, passengers continue to collect bags that were lost at Pearson when its Terminal 3 luggage system malfunctioned. There's no communication. That's the whole experience I found. We never received one form of communication from Sunwing, so... It was just a fluke on us constantly calling and harassing them to find out if there actually is a flight. A flight Kennedy was on, not because of any email, but because she was able to get through on the phone. Sunwing has been directing passengers to its website to file a compensation claim, but a note there says the airline is unable to process any refund claims since the Christmas chaos started because of what they're calling operational challenges. Reporting live from Pearson International Airport, I'm John Woodward. Nathan, back to you. All right, thank you, John. And if you have a story idea for CTV News Investigates, please let us know. You can email investigate at ctv.ca or visit our website for more secure and anonymous ways to get in touch. A final farewell from millions around the world. A look back on the life and legacy of the man many call the globe's greatest sports ambassador. That's coming up. A crash involving a TTC bus has left a man fighting for his life in hospital and a teenager badly hurt. Police say the bus hit a car that turned into its path near Bathurst and Haddington, south of the 401 late last night. A 39-year-old man suffered life-threatening injuries. A 13-year-old boy was taken to hospital in serious condition. The crash remains under investigation. Police continue to look for witnesses, information, and any security footage of a drive-by shooting last night in the city's northwest. It happened around 615 near Scarlet Road and Eglinton Avenue West. Police say it involved two vehicles and several shots were fired. One man was taken to hospital with minor injuries.
In the city's east end, a gas leak has shut down part of Greektown. Crews, including Enbridge, are working to repair the issue near Danforth and Dewhurst. No injuries were reported and no word on when the closures will end. Some key information now for anyone responsible for their household finances. There are new costs coming into effect this new year. Many will have a significant impact on your bank accounts. Our Queens Park reporter Siobhan Morris joins us with those details. Siobhan. Michelle, it's new year, new rules around money in and money out. Some of them important enough to maybe make some tweaks to your at-home spreadsheets. There's also a shift in how Ontarians can access one part of our health care system. A little help on your fill-up is sticking around. The provincial government has extended cuts to taxes on gas and diesel. They were supposed to end when 2022 did. Now we'll keep them until the end of 2023. But we could see the comeback of $2 a litre gas this spring. On April 1st... The carbon tax increases by about three and a half, four cents a litre. And that's very quickly followed by the increase in prices that comes with the shift from winter blends of gasoline over to summer blends of gasoline. Canadians will lose more off the top to payroll deductions this year. The maximum Canadian pension plan premium is up by more than $255. The top EI premium is 50 bucks higher. It means about $305 less on take-home pay. If you do have extra coin to sock away, you'll have more room in a tax-free savings account. For the last few years, the contribution ceiling has been $6,000. In 2023, it's up to $6,500. An attempt to keep a lid on the cost of housing has kicked in. Ottawa has issued a two-year moratorium on residential sales to anyone outside Canada. With foreign buyers only representing a small fraction of home sales, there are doubts about whether the move will make a big dent. There are more options for Ontarians to get medical help without a doctor. Pharmacists now have the power to prescribe medication for 13 common ailments, from pink eye to urinary tract infections. It will happen over a period of time to ramp up as we build awareness of the, the program. Pharmacists are gauging demand for a service that will likely work on a by-appointment model. Because this requires a little bit more one-on-one -on -one time to do a comprehensive assessment of the patient and then determine the best treatment path, they do, do need to do that in a confidential manner. Making the corner pharmacy something closer to a one-stop shop. That new power for pharmacists isn't intended to replace a family doctor, but in a province where 1.8 million people don't have a family physician, it could be a big help. Reporting live, I'm Siobhan Morris. Michelle, back to you. Thank you, Siobhan. A record number of immigrants arrived in this country in 2022, in part to help address labor shortages. Canada welcomed more than 431,000 new permanent residents. The federal government is also looking to bring in an additional 465,000 this year, followed by 485,000 in 2024 and half a million in 2025. Over 5 million applications were processed last year, including for permanent residents, temporary residents and citizenship. The RCMP's charged an Ottawa man for allegedly posting threatening tweets. The suspect is accused of targeting Parliament Hill, the Defence Department, and the embassies of the United States and China. Police learned of the threats from a Twitter user in November. 19-year-old Daniel Hood's been released on unspecified conditions and is due in court January 18th. 
Starting Thursday, Canada will require a negative COVID-19 test from airline passengers in mainline China. Today, Beijing re threatened retaliation. A foreign ministry spokesperson says nations imposing the test will face countermeasures, but there was no indication what those measures might be. China abruptly eased stringent antivirus restrictions last month, leading to a surge in cases. Other countries announcing tougher measures on travelers from China include the U.S., U.K., India, Japan, and several European nations. Thousands of people paid their last respects to Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI today. The outpouring of emotion ahead of the retired pontiff's funeral on Thursday. CTV's Paul Workman has more from Rome. There's been a stream of people going through. The Vatican told us just a while ago that more than 100,000 people have gone to view the body since... Uh, that began on Monday morning. I would have thought there were more people coming through just watching the crowds today. So I think that's a bit of a low estimate for the Vatican, but we'll have more official numbers later on. One more day of public viewing uh, before the funeral on Thursday. Today, was, today it's the, the, the people who have been coming here have been really quite matter of fact. It's not, there's not a lot of emotion involved. Of course, you know, uh, Pope Benedict was retired for 10 years before his death, and he never had the same kind of charisma and magnetism that other popes have had. Um, he was known as a theologian, even a bureaucrat, so uh, not as beloved as um, his predecessor, John Paul II, of course, nor his successor, Pope Francis here. And uh, that's just, you know, uh, the way it is gone for this pope. He will be remembered probably most of all for his brave act to retire when most popes die in office. I think the square behind me will probably be pretty full for the funeral. It starts at 9.30 local time. I believe the pope's body, Benedict's body, will be brought out into the riser uh, at the front of the church, front of the basilica. The mass will be led by Pope Francis, which is, of course, is another extraordinary event in the history of this church, that one pope uh, is having a mass celebrated by his successor. So very fascinating, of course, and it's been quite confusing for a lot of Catholics to have two popes sharing the Vatican for the last decade. You know, um, Pope Benedict uh, announced his retirement, said he was quite frail and could no longer carry on the duties of the office, but then he lived for another 10 years in that odd sort of form of coexistence here. He's asked for a simple and somber funeral, but again, that's pretty hard to do when you have this kind of setting for the funeral of a pope. Paul Workman, CTV News in Rome. The suspect in last year's mass shooting on a New York City subway train has pleaded guilty. Frank James set off smoke bombs before shooting 10 people last April. A total of 23 people were injured in that assault on a train in Brooklyn's Sunset Park neighborhood. No one was killed. The 63-year-old is accused of terrorism and weapons charges. Prosecutors are seeking to put him in prison for several decades. In Washington, high-stakes political drama on Capitol Hill today. The first session of the House of Representatives under Republican control has adjourned without electing a speaker. There's times we're going to have to argue with our own members if they're looking at for only positions for themselves, not for the country. It appears Kevin McCarthy has not secured enough support to win the gavel after three rounds of voting. It is expected to go to a fourth round tomorrow. McCarthy is battling conservatives on the right who refuse to give him their votes. He will be the first nominee in 100 years to fail to win the speaker's job with his party in the majority. 
We have a miraculous story of survival tonight from Northern California. Four people are recovering after their vehicle plunged off a cliff along the Pacific Coast Highway. The vehicle crashed into a rocky outcropping. All four occupants were safely removed from the Tesla. Two children were not hurt, but two adults were injured, but will survive. It's not clear what caused the car to go off the cliff. Closer to home, a large gathering is expected in Barrie tomorrow as friends and family will say their final farewell to Constable Greg Perchala. The OPP officer was killed in the line of duty one week ago, just hours after completing his probation. CTV's Beth McDonnell joins us now with details on his service. Beth. Nathan, the procession is expected to begin at 9.30 tomorrow morning in Prashala's hometown of Barrie. OPP officers, along with other police officers, will be marching through city streets to the funeral service. Other police officers will also be stopped along the route as a show of honour. This is the second time a funeral will be taking place at Sadlon Arena recently. The mourners have gathered here for the second time in just over two months for officers killed in the line of duty. The first was in October when South Simcoe constables Devin Northrup and Morgan Russell were killed responding to a disturbance call. Now, a second funeral will be held for OPP Constable Greg Prashala. Last week, the 28-year-old was ambushed responding for what would have been a routine call for a car in a ditch near Hagersville on a rural road. This was the first time he responded to a call on his own. He had just passed his 10-month probation after becoming a police officer. On Friday, Prashala's body was driven to Barrie. It was emotional for officers and members of the public. Tomorrow morning, the public is invited to observe the funeral procession from Adam's funeral home to Sadlin Arena. The funeral itself is not open to the public. It will be live-streamed. Reporting live, I'm Beth McDonnell. Now back to Michelle and Nathan. All right. Thank you, Beth. And we also have full coverage of the funeral online tomorrow on our website, ctvnewstoronto.ca. Coming up, will the new year bring a return to the old way of working? As employees get back to it, will it be in an actual office or is remote work the way of the future? And I'm Pat Foran. Happy New Year, everyone. Coming up on Consumer Alert, rising interest rates have been putting the squeeze on many homeowners. Some have seen their mortgage payments increase by hundreds of dollars a month. Where are interest rates headed this year? We ask the experts all of that story. That's just ahead. A new month means new norms, and our temperatures are certainly trending above average. In fact, as mentioned, we are yet to fall below the freezing mark so far in 2023. Tonight, we will be significantly warmer than normal. The average overnight low is about minus 9 degrees, and we'll be steady around 3 or 4. We'll show you when some cooler air is set to move in. Coming up in your forecast, and stay with us. We've got another full night of great shows for you right here on CTV. The Bank of Canada raised its key overnight lending rate seven times last year in an effort to bring Canada's runaway inflation under control. But many homeowners have seen their mortgage payments increase by hundreds of dollars a month, and they're worried about what this year might bring. Pat Foran joins us now 
with Consumer Alert Pat. Thanks, Michelle and Nathan. We're about three weeks away from the Bank of Canada's next interest rate announcement, and no one knows for sure what will happen. But most in the mortgage industry believe rates won't be going up very much this year, and some say they might not go up at all. In an effort to tame inflation, the Bank of Canada raised interest rates seven times, including a half a point hike in December to 4.25%. Anyone with a variable rate mortgage has seen their payments increase by several hundred dollars a month or more. The worst is possibly behind us, um, and I think that 2023 is going to be less painful than uh, going through this rate hike cycle that we've just gone through. The co-founder of the mortgage rate comparison website, ratehub.ca, believes the increases have come to an end and that the Bank of Canada will not raise interest rates in January or any time in 2023. Inflation data is going to come in uh, that the bank is reasonably happy with, allowing the bank to continue that hold uh, throughout the entire year. Rates.ca, another mortgage comparison website, believes the central bank may raise rates a quarter of a percent in January and again in March before putting them on hold for the rest of the year. I'm expecting them to hike the prime rate by another half a percent by March. Even if rates don't go up substantially this year, they're not expected to drop. It means some homeowners who have seen their mortgage payments increase dramatically could be forced to refinance or put their home up for sale. This year is going to be very interesting and I'm afraid that if people are still running in negative cash flows every month, they may be forced to sell. There are also concerns about a possible recession which could also affect rates. A recession would mean that rates certainly don't go up any further. And it could even mean that rates have to drop in order to stimulate our economy and make sure that it doesn't slow down too much. The Bank of Canada makes its next interest rate announcement January 25th. And anyone with credit issues that has to borrow from subprime or private lenders are seeing even larger rate hikes. Their payments could double the next time they have to renew their mortgage. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. Well, let's talk about that forecast. The new year, still new, and we still haven't really had winter begin yet. Have no, we? we had it. What we had it last week, and then suddenly, ooh, it's a return to mild conditions. In January, typically really cold. Absolutely, and you know we often have a January thaw, but it's normally in the second half of January, and it's after we've had a significant period of cold weather and a decent amount of snow. Of course, we had the big storm before mm -hmm. uh, Christmas around here, but. In most areas, that snow is now gone because of these mild temperatures, and it looks as though that pattern is going to continue at least for another couple of days. We'll start to get a little bit cooler as we inch toward the weekend, but even those temperatures are slightly warmer than what's considered normal for this time of year. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. Here's a look at our current temperatures across southern Ontario. Uh, the southwestern part of the province, very mild right now. It's still five degrees in Windsor. It's two in Ottawa. We're at three in Toronto. We ended up making it to a high of four degrees today. And again, that's warmer than normal. Some areas climbing all the way to about six degrees. A, a shout out to Harrow, for example. Average daytime temperature at this time of year is minus two degrees. And as we showed you a little bit earlier, the overnight low 
on average is minus nine, but we'll be closer to about three. Temperature really not falling through the night tonight. Uh, look at the difference just uh, right across the board when it comes to the norms versus the forecast temperature. And then tomorrow, it's another unsettled day. It'll be mild. You'll need the umbrella. It's not going to be a steady all day rain. And we also have some fog early in the morning that we'll be contending with. Winds coming out of the east, but fortunately not overly strong. They could be a little bit gusty at times tomorrow. We have this rainfall warning in effect. It's come to an end for many areas of southwestern Ontario. The forecast uh, changed a little bit compared to yesterday. So some of these areas within the warning could pick up 15 to 25 millimeters of rain total through tomorrow. Uh, keep in mind that the ground is very saturated in these areas. So localized flooding is a possibility. And then we have a fog advisory in effect for extreme southwestern Ontario because of those mild temperatures. Here's a look at the current satellite and radar. I do want to widen this out to show you that we're not done with the wet weather, even though it stopped raining in some parts of southern Ontario. Lots of moisture stateside, and that is headed our way as we make our way through the day tomorrow. Going to pause this in a couple of areas. There's tomorrow morning at about 6 a.m. If you're an early riser, bring the umbrella with you. Uh, there will be dry periods throughout the day. Then we get another pulse of moisture into the evening hours. The rain is going to be steadier if you're joining us from Niagara over toward Hamilton and then Oshawa over toward Peterborough. Here in Toronto, we could pick up an additional maybe 10 to 20 millimeters of rain, but that's over a couple of days. I think what's more likely is we could see about five millimeters. And then by Thursday, we're tapping into that colder air and a few flurries are going to be possible. No major snowstorms though. There's Thursday and Friday, highs of around two, one degree into the weekend. We could drop as low as zero for the high on Saturday. Have you been missing the sun? I know I have been. It's been several days, weeks even. Looks like we could move into a nice sunny stretch with some more seasonal temperatures through the early part of next week. That's your look at the weather for now. Michelle, over to you. I too want the sun. Thank you, Lindsay. Well, a new report finds Canada's 100 highest paid chief executive officers have made record earnings. The Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives says the top CEOs made an average of $14.3 million in 2021. The previous record of $11.8 million was set in 2018. The executives made 243 times the average Canadian worker's salary. Most of the money earned was not from their salary, but from bonuses, stock options and shares. And for those not at the top trying to earn a buck, today marked a return to work after the holidays. Some people having to get back to an actual office, others still able to sign in from home. And for yet another year, the debate's still swirling about the future of remote work. CTV's John Musselman reports. Commuters were heading into the office this morning at the Pickering GO station. For many here, it's a part-time return to the office. After two and a half years of COVID, companies are calling workers back to the office, and most of these people say they like the hybrid model. Oh, yes, yes, out of the house and uh, associate with the co-workers, you know, back to the routine. From home, longer time, more efficiently, but at the same time, going to office, downtown is also good, right? So now we are going like two days uh, at workplace and three days from home. Even though we are on a holiday break, the downtown is starting to show significant signs of renewal. Most of the towers have people back two or three days a week. The path system is also looking busier. I like going back. It's good to collaborate with, with, with peers again and, and actually, you know, see people face to face instead of, you know, over a camera. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is quite busy, but Monday, especially Friday, is pretty dead. Not a lot in our company. We've got about three people coming in every single day, but that's about it. 
Toronto Mayor John Tory says the hybrid system has a significant impact on the city. The mayor says he understands work patterns have changed and many prefer working remotely, but he says it comes at a cost. Obviously, if it's permanent that people are only coming to work, pick a number, three days a week, forever, then that is going to have a, a permanent impact on the ridership on the transit system uh, to some extent. And that has big financial consequences for us. Jan De Silva is the president and CEO of the Toronto Region Board of Trade. I don't think it's a question of, of trying to push certain folks back to work. I know all of our large employers are very keen for the environment where people are working and collaborating on site. But if that's not to be the permanent situation for them, there's a lot of other ways to redeploy office space that becomes available that will solve the problems that the city is facing. Ashley White is a life coach. She says many of her clients are still working remotely, but she has noticed a transition back to the office, something she prefers when working with clients. I do, yes, because I like to meet people and see them and get to know them. Yeah. Mayor Tory is convinced that over time people will come back to the office full time, but he acknowledges it is a complex issue and the pandemic has had a profound impact on how people work. John Musselman, CTV News. Also tonight, he mastered the beautiful game and his adoring country offered their king a beautiful send-off. Soccer legend Pelé laid to rest. He was mourned by millions of fans in Brazil and around the world. His accolades, too numerous to mention. Pelé popularized soccer's number 10, but perhaps most of all, he's remembered as being sport's greatest global ambassador. CTV's Andrea Case joins us live with the details. Andrea. Michelle and Nathan, good evening. Yes, it is the final goodbye to a city and a country's favorite son. A professional career at 15 and a national team member a year later. His career lasted 22 years, but the impression Pelé made in football will be forever remembered. As in life, in death, Pele was cheered from the sidelines. As the funeral cottage made its way through the streets of his hometown in Santos, Brazil, an estimated 200,000 sang, cheered, and held their phones up as it drove by to his final resting place. We're never prepared to live this moment of saying goodbye. We're saying goodbye to a genius, a Brazilian legend. The procession passed the home where his 100-year-old mother, Celeste Arantes, still lives. She was not seen, but his sister and other family members appeared on the balcony. A 24-hour period of national mourning preceded it and saw 230,000 mourners, many emotionally, pay their respects at the Sila Bilmero soccer stadium he made famous. Passing the casket of the soccer legend as he lay in state during a public viewing, Mourners included dignitaries and newly elected president Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva. Pelé brought the beautiful game, a term he coined to the world literally. The 1970 World Cup was the first with a huge television audience. And while he did so much for the game and Brazil, for his magnificence on the field, he was honored as a national treasure and therefore unable to play for other richer clubs or European teams. Later in life, he also said he didn't want to. Retiring at age 36, he spent the last two of his 22-year career playing for the New York Cosmos.
The 82-year-old had undergone treatment for colon cancer since 2021. He died last Thursday after a month-long hospital stay. His death is attributed to multiple organ failure as a result of the cancer, as well as a respiratory infection that stemmed from COVID-19. Married three times, the father of seven was buried in a private service attended only by family and interred in a mausoleum in the world's tallest vertical cemetery. Pele chose the ninth floor of the 14-story building in honor of his father and fellow footballer, who wore the number nine. How influential was Pele? Well, in 1967, a Nigerian civil war had broken out, but it was put on hold for 48 hours for all sides to take in the game between the Nigerian national team and Team Santos. Pele scored both goals for the Brazilian team in a 2-2 draw. Within days, the fighting resumed. Reporting live, I'm Andrea Case. Michelle, I'll send it back to you. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. After the break, exciting news from two of Canada's skating greats, an Olympian and a Maple Leaf engaged. New Year, healthy habits. Tomorrow on CP24 Breakfast. How to maintain realistic resolutions to feel your best in 2023. CP24 Breakfast, where Toronto gets its everything every morning. I believe it is crucial that we ensure that this year's budget invests more in community safety and in our frontline first responders. Updating our top stories, Mayor John Tory is proposing a budget increase of just over $48 million for the Toronto Police Service. The investment would add 200 more officers, with the majority deployed to what the city's called priority response units. A smoke alarm goes off, and as I said, you, you, you have 60 seconds or less. So assuming that smoke alarm went off on the main floor where the fire was, I believe there's a very good chance the family could have escaped down that stairwell. Ontario's fire marshal says a Hamilton House fire, which claimed the lives of two adults and two children last week, could have been prevented if the home had working smoke alarms. The deadly blaze broke out in a couch in the home on Derby Street in the evening of December 29th. We're just trying everything we can at this point. We've talked to every single person possible, save the even CEO. We've tweeted them live. We went on LinkedIn and, and messaged the CEO himself. We've gotten no answers. Sunwing passengers continue to search for answers as the airline works to return stranded passengers and reunite others with their baggage. Several travelers have reported glitches with the airline's email notification system, though Sunwing has not commented directly on any technical issues. In business, Elon Musk's Tesla helped ignite the electric car industry, but investors went on dumping this talk today. With more, here's Andrew Bell from BNM Bloomberg. Hi there. Shares in Tesla slid 12% in trading today, bringing their decline over the past year to 73%. That's after vehicle deliveries missed expectations, even though they topped 400,000 cars in the latest three months. Investors are worried about distractions for the outspoken CEO, Elon Musk, and growing competition from other auto companies. Meanwhile, Bloomberg says Tesla is set to pay more for the lithium in its batteries after a supplier tweaked the company's deal to reflect a surge in prices for the metal. U.S. markets opened higher this morning after that dismal 19 percent drop in 2022, but they then sagged, weighed down by Apple.
The iPhone maker shares fell 4% after Japan's Nikkei newspaper said the company told suppliers to make fewer components for AirPods, the Apple Watch and MacBooks due to weakening demand. Toronto stocks edged higher, lifted by bank shares. And finally, look out for yet more novel electric ways of getting around in 2023. These gadgets are called moonwalkers and they're billed as the world's fastest shoes. The creator, Shift Robotics, says the shoes move only when you do. So you can go up and down stairs, step into mass transit and stop in less than one meter. Prices on the Kickstarter page are about $1,400 US. Let's check in on the markets. The Canadian dollar changed hands at 73.16 cents US, down a fraction. WTI oil, the North American benchmark, traded at $76.93, down 3.33. WCS oil, the Alberta benchmark, was at $50.73, down $1.91. And the TSX Composite Index ended the first trading session of the year at 19,443.77, up just over 58 points. That's the latest in business. I'm Andrew Bell of BNN Bloomberg. Maybe a chance here. Scores! The Leafs will be looking to make it back-to-back -back wins when they host the St. Louis Blues tonight. Toronto's coming off a 6-2 victory over the Colorado Avalanche on New Year's Eve. The Leafs have won four of their last five heading into tonight's game. Puck drop is set for seven. Meanwhile, Leafs defenseman Morgan Riley got engaged recently. His fiancée, Tessa Virtue, revealed the big news during a podcast released today. The decorated Canadian ice dancer met her future husband through mutual friends, and they've been together now for several years. Tonight, we take a closer look at a mid-game medical crisis. In this case, there really was no warning. A doctor's opinion on what may have caused the cardiac arrest of Buffalo Bills player DeMar Hamlin later on CTV National News. Get Toronto's top stories, breaking news alerts, and watch live. Download the CTV News app. The first SpaceX mission of 2023 is a success. Three, two, one. A Falcon 9 rocket lifted off from Cape Canaveral today, carrying 114 satellites. They were later deployed in low Earth orbit before the rocket's first stage returned to Earth. A few minutes later, the booster also touched down. This flight was the 200th for the space technology company. And looking at those gorgeous blue skies, wow. that's not in our future just yet. We have quite a bit of wet weather to contend with. Yeah, it's going to continue to be cloudy, drizzly, unsettled really through the next couple of days. And by Thursday, we're tapping into a few flurries out there. But keep the umbrella handy for tonight. Here's a look at the satellite and radar imagery. Uh, if it stopped raining where you are, just keep in mind that tomorrow we're looking at on and off showers once again. Drizzly and then steadier rain as we make our way into tomorrow night. It's going to be mild once again, too, even with winds coming out of the east seven day forecast looks like this maybe we'll just skip ahead to sunday because that sure looks like a brighter sky that we can enjoy for sunday monday and into next tuesday nathan and michelle sounds good thanks Lindsay. be sure to join omar sachadina tonight at 11 for ctv national news followed by zarada allman with our next local newscast at 11 30. in the meantime our coverage continues anytime on cp24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca for Lindsay and all of us here at ctv news thank you for watching and have a great night